welcome to Out of the Box Radio with me, your host, Christine Blasdale. Out of the Box Radio is a weekly podcast of audible ear candy dedicated to bringing a fresh perspective on this thing that we call life. And each and every week, we're going to be diving into the topics that matter most with lively conversations on issues such as health, wellness, and transformational healing, all with the goal of creating a better world and becoming a happier human being. I will be your tour guide for this epic adventure, and each and every week we're going to be embarking on a journey with the ultimate goal being transformation to our highest potential. And now, let's get out of the box. Welcome back to Out of the Box with Christine. I am your host, Christine Blasdale, and I am really happy that you tuned in today. We have a very interesting show. I am so fascinated by this subject. My guest is Sheila Lowe, who is a court-qualified, certified forensic document examiner and certified graphologist who holds a Master of Science degree in psychology. She's also a mystery writer, and she's taught at the University of California Riverside in the Crime Scene Investigation course and the University of California Santa Barbara in the Discovery program. She's the author of numerous books and monographs on handwriting, as well as the Forensic Handwriting Mystery Series. Welcome to Out of the Box with Christine Sheila Lowe. Thank you, Christine. So happy to be with you. So the moment a, a dear friend of mine told me about you and I thought that the subject matter was uh, absolutely fascinating but if you don't mind letting our listeners know you are a certified forensic document examiner okay that kind of self-explanatory but a certified graphologist what is that a graphologist is somebody who analyzes handwriting for the purpose of personality assessment so they're <clears throat> several different areas of handwriting analysis that I work in. So, But these days I work mostly as a document examiner. And with the documents, is that for, like, if somebody's ch- is challenging, like in court, they're challenging, that's not, I don't think that's that signature or that might have been forged, then you, you're called? Exactly. So in cases of, let's say, um, dear old dad ran off with a bimbo and then <laughs> he dies and she comes up and says, oh, look, this is a new will naming me and my kids and cutting out the first family. So that happens. That, ha- <laughs> that happens frequently. Wow. So so then so then what do you how, do you go through then that husband's um, any type of documents that he would have signed and to see if that's truly his signature or what's the process in that? It's fascinating to me. Yeah, that's exactly what I would have to do. I would have to look at a whole series of his exemplars that were done around the same time as the question signature, preferably before, um, but not too far distant because handwriting changes over time. Mm-hmm. Uh, although some people's have um, signature is remarkably consistent over time and other people have maybe two or three or even more signatures. So what I have to do is look at all of their known signatures, um, you know, exemplars of, of their styles and see um, what their range of variation is. And then I can look at the question signatures and see whether they fit within that range of variation or not. Now the question comes up in my mind is, well, couldn't somebody just copy it? 
a signature, like uh, basically put their signature over something and like stencil it in or, you know, like uh, trace it. Is that something that's possible or is it having to do with the stroke? Well, sometimes people do try tracing and um, it's pretty obvious because what you have to do is a lot of stops and starts to readjust. And so it's kind of like painting by numbers. Mm. You have to do just little bits at a time. And so that's going to show it's not going to be a normal flow. And it's very difficult to simulate somebody's signature that way, or even just taking a model and trying to copy it. Because there's um, two really difficult things that you have to do to simulate somebody's signature. You have to put aside the master pattern of your own signature that you've developed over all the years you've been signing, and that's natural to you and the, the particular reasons why you sign the way you do. So you have to put that aside, and then you have to take on the master pattern of the person whose signature you're trying to forge. Mm -hmm. So that's like trying to copy the way somebody walks or talks. Right. And there's now, I, oh my goodness, I was just thinking, you know, you there's so many with celebrity uh, uh, autographs, right? And, and uh, famous people autograph um, claim people claiming, well, this is an this is an authentic. X, whatever. This is an authentic Rembrandt. This is an authentic um, John Wayne signed photo. You're, you would be able to take a look at that and know pretty, pretty good off, off, you know, off the mark right there that it, it was a forgery? Uh, celebrity signatures is kind of a specialty and I've done some of it, but I don't, I, I usually refer those to somebody else um, whose specialty it is because it's it's just a whole different thing. Um, like in sports, a lot of times they'll have somebody else sign for them and, and in cele other celebrities too. Mm -hmm. So you, ha you really have to know what's going on in that field. Uh, I'm curious to find out, how, and how many years have you been doing this? I started studying handwriting in 1967. Whoa! That means I'm really, really old. <laughs> I was a little kid. <laughs> I'm sure you were. Were you even born? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I was uh, a senior in high school, and my boyfriend's mother had read a book about handwriting analysis, and she analyzed mine, and it just got me hooked. What did she say about yours? <laughs> she said, she said that I was emotionally stormy. <laughs> which of course could describe many 17-year-old girls, yeah, yeah. but it was true. Um, she said I was thrifty, which uh, many years later I realized that she was checking me out for a daughter-in-law <laughs> for all these and I, you know, <laughs> two whole pages of stuff she wrote about me. Whoa! So, so you're able to, to do that as well. I'm curious, did you, have you had people ask you, like just like your potential mother-in-law, uh, uh, if, if you would check out somebody's writing because they're either interested in them or maybe they're thinking about hiring them for a big paying job? Yeah, that's what I do. Ah. And even low paying jobs, you know, even even the person that's the cleaning up the office needs, you know, you need to have the right person and to make sure that there's integrity and whatever traits you're looking for. So I would think too, especially if I had a um, well, especially if I was going to be bringing on a business partner, 
someone that I would need to be able to, to trust, obviously, um, and want to know as much as I could, other than what they write on their, you know, on their application or what they what they want you to know. Um, let's talk about some of the, the dynamics, some of the different styles that reveal um, bits about us, but bits about ourselves in the way we, we write. Well, let's talk first about what handwriting can reveal about you and what it can't, because it tells a lot about you, but it can't tell everything. Mm -hmm. People are just too complex, and there's so many variables. But handwriting tells things about you like um, <clears throat> your social style, your thinking style, the state of your ego, your stamina, um, sex drive, organization. It can tell you about your sex drive? Yes, it can. Really? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and if there are issues, one of the papers that I've written, or actually it's now a chapter in one of my books, is on uh, childhood sexual abuse in adult handwritings. So, yeah, handwriting tells a lot. So, and, and I'm, I'm holding uh, one, of your, one of your many books, um, Reading Between the Lines by Sheila Lowe. And this is really interesting because this is really, would you say this is like sort of a primer for people who are, who are interested in the subject matter? Yeah, it's like a little basic course. Decoding handwriting. And you, you go through some, I mean, there's, there's lots and lots of examples that you have. Um, but you also have some famous, you have some famous people. Uh, there we are. Hand, and you also have a book called Handwriting of, of the Famous and Infamous. I do. And um, let's, can we talk about some of the famous people? Absolutely. Let's see here. They're alphabetical. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I just opened up a page and out popped the face of Ted Bundy. Uh, Ted Bundy, of course, is, uh, he was... In the American serial killer from 1946 to 1989 and you have what this is a letter from him that he had written yes and he was executed and he was executed yes so so looking at this letter from Ted Bundy what were you able to assess he was not a nice person <laughs> um, there are some interesting things in Bundy's writing and let me take a step back for a second and tell you about the two different kinds of handwriting analysis because it makes a difference. There, there are two main methods. One of them, the most popular, because it's, it's kind of like learning the piano and you want to learn as an adult and you want to learn quickly so you learn a bunch of chords and then a you know, little melody, but you don't learn the theory. Mm -hmm. So you can just play certain things. And the trait stroke method looks at handwriting empirically. So um, it's, it takes each piece of writing and, and, or writing strokes and assigns it a personality trait name. So for instance, if you cross your T's up high, that school says you have high goals. Or it, as in Ted Bundy's case, you've got long um, strokes at the beginnings of words and they call those resentment strokes and so on and so forth. So, And that's fine. It builds up a picture piece by piece. It's like looking at handwriting through a microscope. You see a little tiny piece at a time. Right. On the other hand, what I do is called Gestalt, which is the German 
uh, European style of analysis, <clears throat> and it comes from the opposite direction. So you're looking at the handwriting as a whole picture. So when I look at Ted Bundy's writing, I'm not looking at those resentment strokes or yieldingness strokes. I'm looking at the whole thing, the space, the form, and the movement. Sort of like a painting. Exactly. So, you know, when you look at a painting, you don't say, oh, there's, you know, a blue eye and blue eyes and, uh, you know, describe it piece by piece. You look at the whole thing. So in looking at Bundy's writing, it has problems in the rhythm. And rhythm is, is a very complex and difficult thing to explain, but it's an important part of handwriting. And his rhythm is slack. It's just, it's really hard to describe just in a few words. But those long um, hooked beginning strokes are important because you have to look at the small picture as well as the big picture. And they show not just resentment, but extreme anger and hostility. They have a little hook on the end. Oh, they do. It's like a yeah. fish hook. Exactly. And it's on every word. Yeah. Almost. Uh, at the beginnings of, of the lines, especially. But I'm looking at the T here in mm -hmm. the, there is a hook. And hooks all over the place. Hooks, you know, what, do you, what are hooks for? To hang on to things. Yes. And in this case, it's hanging on to his anger and resentment. And another thing is the way he makes his personal pronoun I, his capital I, and um, it has a big balloon on the top, which is making, is kind of uh, an unrealistic view of women. And then the bottom part uh, is just kind of fades away. And the, the capital I, the way we were taught in cursive writing anyway, is that with the, the um, it looks like a sailboat, and the sail at the top is the mother, and the boat on the bottom is the father. So his father image is missing. And, of course, he, he didn't have a father figure. He had his grandfather. Wow. And so, so that, oh, that I, I'm going to turn the page because his face kind of creeps me out. <laughs> but this guy, because we're, we're in the Bs, this is alphabetical. Ludwig van Beethoven. Beethoven, you have, you, now, this is obviously German, so, and do you speak German? I do not, although my son and his wife live in Germany, but I don't speak German. So you're, you're able to still do the analysis of Beethoven, although you don't speak German. Because I do the Gestalt type of analysis, looking at space, form, and movement, I have clients all over the world, and they write to me in languages that I do not speak. So looking at Beethoven's signature, what, what were you, or not signature, his writing, what were you able to, uh, to, to pull from that? Well, again, the rhythm is the very important thing in his writing, and it's, it's very jumpy and all over the place, and it shows, um, it looks actually like a piece of his music. It's very dynamic and, and strong and irritable. <laughs> yeah. And irritable. I love that. But you find that in artists' handwritings look a lot like their paintings, and composers' writings look like their uh, compositions. And now I'm over on George W. Bush, George uh, Bush Jr., I guess you'd call him, the 43rd president. And you have a letter that George Bush wrote to 
someone, I'm not certain who. Um, oh, this is to a supporter before the 2000 election campaign. What were you able to uh, draw from uh, George, George Bush's um, handwriting? His writing is quite simplified and flexible, and it's well laid out. It has um, a good organization. The thing about it is, well, it, one thing that interested me is his signature is very much like his father's, which showed that he wanted to emulate his father. Um, it it is, doesn't have a very strong rhythm. It's like, you know, he's too flexible, and I, in my opinion, was easily led. It it's it's kind of it's soft. It is soft. It doesn't have a, a dynamic energy. Oh wow! I just um, flipped to Kurt Cobain. Now, with this sample of his writing, it's not in cursive. No, that's it's, his suicide letter. This is okay. This is his suicide letter. So you, you, you took a look at this. Um, obviously it's a suicide letter, so you know that he was tr he was troubled. But what were you able to to get from the actual writing, and the way uh, the letters are formed on on Kurt Cobain? Oh, yeah, that was faxed to me at three o'clock in the morning, right after his death, by somebody who was investigating it. Um, the writing. Yeah, it's troubled. It's all jammed together. There's no breathing space. It's as if each line was just one word because they're so close together. And so he didn't have a good perspective on life. He could, he, if he could have stood back, taken a step back, um, and just, you know, got some air, he might have been able to see things differently. I don't know. But it, it I mean, troubled is a great way to, to describe it. And there's there's been a lot of controversy around it, and I understand why you were probably contacted to see about this because there was um, r rumors or or people thinking that it, that that it wasn't that he did not take his own life. Mm -hmm. um, but with this, does he have a signature? Is there a, his name, his signature on this? No, <clears throat> and that was why I was contacted to see if I could authenticate it, and because um, the the investigator who had been hired by Courtney Love had come to believe that she wrote it and so he sent me her handwriting and uh, his and then I did some further investigation and found more samples of his writing and even though I could understand what he was talking about but there was no way Kurt Cobain wrote that sample there we got a scoop for you there you go now James Dean uh, James Dean, a very uh, popular uh, uh, icon uh, and an actor as well. You have a letter here, uh, a letter written from James Dean, and I, and I have, I'm looking at this. It actually reminds me a little bit of my grandmother's writing <laughs> when I'm when I'm looking at this, the the, the style. Um, what were you able to uh, to get on James Dean on his writing? You know, it's kind of a surprising writing considering that he was thought of as as a bad boy. Um, it's a very soft, feminine kind of writing. You know, there's there's two basic strokes in writing. Straight strokes and curved strokes. And the best kind of, uh, best, the, mo the healthiest kind usually has a combination, a balance of the two. But his is very soft and rounded. It's, it's got more, more curves. And that, what that says about him is that um, 
he was an emotional person. And there's also a lot of flexibility here and adaptability. He, he could do a lot of different things. And it, and you and generally the the strokes are the um, they're quite thick, too. <clears throat> yeah. Well, that's <coughs> excuse me. It's something that's hard to tell in a copy because each copy you make thickens the stroke a little. Uh -huh. So if you don't have the original, it's hard to say. But if that is indeed how his writing looks. A thick stroke done without pressure is called pastosity. Sounds like pasta. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's um, somebody who really appreciates the, the finer things in life, the things that they can experience through their senses. Mm. Now, this, I, I have, I don't know what it is about Princess Diana, uh, but I just have a very strong connection with her. I don't know, I, I, I have not dived into that, but um, I just, I, when, when she passed, I could feel so many people on the planet just mourn, like seriously mourn. Not just people in, in, um, in England, in the UK, but people all over the world. And you have um, analyzed her writing. This is a, a card that was written by Princess Diana, and I would love to know what your thoughts are on, on her. Well, her writing is extremely rounded, and again, soft, <laughs> has a soft rhythm. And people who write like this with a very roundedness, have a, a rounded quality, have a, a strong need, they're really emotionally based, and they have a strong need to be, um, uh, or a strong need for affection is what I'm trying to say and approval and usually in women's like this it's usually approval they need from men and it reminds me in some ways of Nicole Simpson's writing she had those same qualities so you did you you analyze Nicole Simpson's Simpson's writing yeah did you do that for a case or just on on your own um, I did it for a TV show back when the case was going on. Did you also analyze O.J. Simpson? I had to ask of this. Of course. Oh, please tell, can you tell us the, uh, let's start with Nicole. Do you um, remember, or should I try and find it here? I don't know if it's in that book, okay. but I, I certainly have looked at it enough. I think it's in the reading between the lines. Okay. Although, um, it is extremely rounded, but it doesn't have the flexibility of Princess Diana's, which I always feel is an important thing in a person. You have to have some flexibility, but hers is uh, very tight and anxious, which is not surprising. And then an OJ? And OJ um, block prints, and in a lot of places at the end of the word, the letter will get bigger especially in the case of the letter D for some reason. I don't know why. But when you have a letter that gets, or, or a word that gets bigger at the end of the letter, it tends to show a sudden a burst of emotion. So it's like uncontrolled. Mm -hmm. And you have also, you have Amelia Earhart. This is a letter from Amelia Earhart. What about what about uh, what about her writing? Her writing is it's small and it's well spaced out. She needed a lot of space, so 
you know, being in an airplane for all those hours and hours alone was fine with her. She was highly sensitive to. Mm. Oh, this guy. I like this guy. <laughs> Albert Einstein. My, this, I just, it's just his look that just gets me all too all the time. Uh, Germ German-born mathematician, brilliant, brilliant mind. Albert Einstein, his writing, and um, and this is so. This is also in German. What what did you get? And did you get a headache after it? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't have to read it to analyze yeah. it. Um, it's another one that's very um, jammed together, but there's there's enough space. I mean, maybe he was running out of paper. I don't know. Um, it is analytical. He, that's no surprise. He, he he had a mind that needed to dig for the facts, and was extremely logical. That's the, basically what it says. What about um, the velocity of how someone writes? The in other words, the speed. The speed. Yeah, speed um, is interesting because if you write quickly, you're thinking quickly. Some people think so fast they can hardly get their words down on the paper. And somebody who thinks very slowly can't write fast. They have to write slowly. Here's someone, too, a, a musician, which I, I, I find very interesting, and the wonderful musician Duke Ellington. And this is a page of Duke Ellington's handwritten uh, notes. Right, and not surprisingly, he has great rhythm. It's it's very, um, it's strong, and it moves. And it's an emotional writing, because there's a lot of loops in it. And loops are like containers for emotion. Oh. Yeah. There are, there are a lot of loops. Mm-hmm. So he was, and, and it shows imagination, too. Benjamin Franklin. Mm. <laughs> this is, um, he analyzed a letter written by Benjamin Franklin to George Washington. What about this guy's writing? Yeah, you know, that doing old writings like this are a little, is a little different because they had a different copy book. And what we do is compare the writing to the copy book that you learned to see how far you departed from it. So I had to go back and look at copy books um, in that time, in the 1700s. So the, the writing is strong and it has a lot of energy. It's kind of tight. It shows his self-discipline. And um, he had a lot of stamina. It's beautiful. I'm looking at it. It's 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 actually, it's, it's quite amazing. But they had also different, uh, what, did they have quills then? Or was that? Yeah, back at that the, time, the I ink? think they would have quills. Oh. <laughs> okay, this guy. Sigmund Freud, um, famed uh, psychiatrist. This is, um, this is a journal that Sigmund Freud had written in. And um, that's very interesting writing. Yeah, and that's actually good writing compared to some of the samples I've seen of his. Um, I think he needed analysis. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it is a very opinionated writing. Um, a, a man that stood behind, you know, he, he, he didn't allow for any uh, argument from his followers. He cut them off like Jung and Horne and Adler. 
when they said that they didn't agree with everything he said, he didn't want anything further to do with them. And that's the kind of handwriting he has, rigid. Very rigid. So there's a lack of flexibility. Um, and we're going to get into the ups and downs. I know that there's a, a you have actually a, a very a, a, a relatively famous person in our, in our scope right now, um, which is President Donald Trump. You have, you've analyzed his handwriting, in particular his signature, and his signature is very interesting. If people aren't, and we'll, we'll put it for the YouTube video, I'll, I'll see if I can get it and, and put it up with it, but his signature is um, very interesting. Um, when you first saw it, what were your thoughts, and then after taking a look at it, what, what were your thoughts on, on Donald Trump's signature and his writing? Well, I first saw his handwriting and signature in 1992. So I've been looking at it for a long time, and it really has not changed very much over the, over the years. And so that says that inside, he hasn't changed a lot. Um, his signature maybe has gotten more rigid. It, it looks like various things. It looks like barbed wire. Maybe it looks like a wall. It's... The first thing that I thought of recently when I saw it, though, when I was looking at it for the election, looking at the different candidates, it reminded me very much of Heinrich Himmler's signature, who also has this, um, you know, sharp up and down, spiky looking signature. It was just interesting. I mean, I'm not saying that yeah. Donald Trump is no. like Himmler, but... No, but you, the, it's similar in the pattern. And when I, when I saw it, it reminds me of, it looked like teeth, like, yeah, like yeah. sharp teeth. Uh -huh. Like a like a mouthful of sharp teeth because it is very jagged, straight up and down, mm -hmm. and no 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 um, no curves or bubbles no. or anything like that. No, and it's very closed together. Yeah, it's like if you think of an accordion, closed, jammed together, and that means nobody you can't get inside. Yeah. So, but the rest of his writing, he block prints and he, and he virtually always uses a thick thick felt pen. And in general, people who like a thick felt pen like to have all the trappings of luxury and the so-called good things in life without putting a lot of energy into getting them. <laughs> Love that analysis. Yeah. And then he has, um, in the communication area of the writing, there's what we call interference with clear communication. And some people call it a mark of a liar. Mm -hmm which, you know, we have seen. So there's nothing really surprising in his writing. It's just that rigidity and the insistence on being right, the arrogance. One interesting thing, though, at the end, on the P on Trump, he comes back and slashes through his last name. And that's kind of self-destructive. People sometimes do that who, I mean, I'm not saying he is suicidal, but, but sometimes no, suicidal. No, self-destructive can be different than suicidal. Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And it just slashes through. Now, I've seen women do this who got divorced and they slash through that last name because they don't <laughs> like it anymore. Or maybe it's uh, a father's name and they don't, they, you know, don't get along with their father. It's kind of an extreme thing you don't see very often. So interesting. Uh, now, uh, I'm looking at the handwriting of Jimi Hendrix, of course, um, American rock god, guitar guitarist god. Um, we know, obviously, he's quite uh, 
he, he was quite talented musically. What were you able to, to gather from his writing? Well, his writing is big and bold and all over the place, and it's, you know, it looks like a fun person. It's, it's somebody who definitely needed to be in the spotlight. The, the capital letters are large, and um, capital letters are like the ideal self, and the small letters are the real self. So when you see really big capital letters, it's usually somebody who needs to be seen and who has big aspirations. I have a big C. Do you? Yeah, just saying. Uh-huh. Oh. Uh. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, of course, your, your handwriting analysis book would not be complete without the, uh, the writing, uh, the, the handwriting of Adolf Hitler. Now, this is an early draft of Hitler's will, and this is dated May 2nd, 1938. What would, wow, I, I noticed something right away mm-hmm. here. It, it, his, his words drop off at the end of a sentence. I don't even know if that's the end of the sentence or the end of a... At the end of the line. The line. Is, yeah, so the baseline is pointing downwards. Yeah, so what What? What did you... This must have been a... He was depressed when he wrote it, I would say. He was depressed? Yeah, because, I mean, even if he was running out of space, which he really wasn't, he could have hyphenated. Um, but overall, it's a muddy writing, and muddy is different from what I described before as pastos, which is thick without pressure. Muddy writing has a lot of pressure, and and the strokes, they look like mud. Um, it, it can be a sign of illness, and people like that give in to their baser urges. So it, there's, it's just not nice. The thing about Hitler, Hitler's writing that was interesting, and I show this in lectures that I give, his writing, his signatures, deteriorate over time and you see them falling apart and the same thing happens in Napoleon's signatures and also Richard Nixon's really yeah that's very interesting actually I, I now oh here's someone so uh, one of the uh, well one of our former presidents and also signer of the Declaration of Independence Thomas Jefferson mm-hmm yeah, he has a very precise writing. The eye dots are really carefully placed. And uh, some in the trait strokes school, they say that when you have a round eye dot that's placed perfectly, that it's a sign of loyalty. And uh, I think that that could be true. Looking at looking at his writing, it looks like like he was his lines are perfect. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I mean, it's it's. It's almost like this. This was a lined note notepad, and he wrote on which he didn't. They didn't <laughs> have that then. But yeah. it's. Lo- I'm just looking at it. And it's. Mm-hmm. It's. Ex- it's. It's very much a very straight line. It's a strong rhythm, but without being robotic, mm-hmm. because perfect is not good in handwriting analysis, because people are not perfect. If a, if a handwriting looks perfect, and I do have examples of some, then there's there's a problem there because they're holding back so much they're under so much control that eventually they're like a pressure cooker and it's going to explode and usually in some bad ways right because your signature it, it's that's something that is your unique yeah but signatures are different from the rest of the writing ah uh, okay go into that okay 
you, I like to say that your signature is like the cover on a book. It shows what you want the world to know about you. But the rest of the writing is the truth. Mm -hmm. Now, if your signature is congruent with the rest of the writing, what you see is what you get. But if it's very different, then, I mean, a lot of um, public figures have a very different signature because they need that level of privacy. And then there are other people who have a very different signature because they're hiding something. Right. There's signatures. It's a whole study in itself. Now, I just flipped to the page of John F. Kennedy. He was our 35th president. And this is a um, sample of writing from his uh, inaugural speech. This, these are his notes, I guess, that he, that he had. Um, what, what, this is a very unique um, handwriting style as well. Um, yeah, it's very simplified, and people who simplify their writing, and when I say simplified, I mean they're cutting out any extra strokes or loops and things like that. Um, it shows a quick thinker. He was a very quick thinker, and the way he, he makes his T's go way up into the stratosphere and show a forward thinker. It's a really dynamic writing with a lot of forward movement and, and also idealism. I like his F's. Yeah, the F's are extremely simplified. They're just made in one simple stroke, and that's for efficiency. He didn't like waste. Oh, I love this one. Uh, John Lennon, uh, of course, mem member of the Beatles, incredible songwriter. And this, what you were, what you, what you were looking at was uh, cartoon scribblings from John Lennon. Yeah, I'd, I'm not sure that this was his typical writing. The The handwritings in this book were supplied by the publisher, and I think there are better samples than this one. It's it's a very um, exact sort of printing, and it just shows one part of him. You know, if you have different writings in different styles, they show different parts of you at different times. But, um, the, you know, there's creativity in this writing because of the, the unique way he makes his capital letters. Um, yeah. The rest of it is kind of pedestrian, and we know that wasn't him. So I would want to look at other samples. Leonardo da Vinci. Yeah, he was, I think in this sample, he was writing backwards. He was left-handed, um, if I recall correctly, and he was writing, doing mirror writing. Why? <laughs> um, possibly as a code so that not everybody would be able to read his notebooks. Ah. So, yeah, he's, and of course his, his drawings um, on this page are really pretty stunning. Um, what about his writing? He, he has large loops, which is interesting in this style of writing. So the, the large loops in what we call the lower zone, handwriting is, is broken up into three zones, upper, middle, and lower, and the lower zone is the area of food, sex, money, material things, stuff like that. The subconscious. The good stuff. No. Yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. The Scorpio stuff. Yes. <laughs> so um, a large, not I don't want it too large, but the large uh, open lower loops suggest somebody who likes to include a lot of other people in their activities and they have, um, you know, a, a big zest for life. Mm. Now, here's an interesting um, handwriting, Abraham Lincoln. Mm. Yeah, I love Lincoln's writing. 
um, it's it's great rhythm. I bet he was a good dancer. <laughs> uh, it's it's got simplification. So the the simplification and the good rhythm tell me that he could get along with all kinds of people. You know, he he didn't just deal with the upper levels. Mm-hmm. He really was genuinely caring. It slants to the right strongly, and that's that's handwriting is like body language, and the right slant is like leaning towards the person you're talking to. I noticed that he signs it A Lincoln. Yes. Um, is have you have you done any um, analysis on people who instead of writing their full name versus just their initial or uh, initial and last name or initials? Um, that was his habit. I think in most of the documents I've seen that he signed, he did that. Um, I haven't made a study of that. I just you know take it as part of it. I think in his case, it's his modesty and just the the need to, you know, just kind of stand back and be quiet. So in contrast to Donald Trump's signature. (laughs) (laughs) Quite a contrast. Can we contrast, let's contrast Abraham Lincoln to Donald Trump's signature. Yeah. So one is, uh, you know... Just graceful and an A rhythmic. Lincoln. So you, you know, it could be Adam Lincoln for anybody. You know, yeah, right? yeah, it could. Well, with Trump's, it's just so slashing. It's like if he had a knife and he's stabbing. It's very hostile, very aggressive. Lincoln's is is the complete opposite of that. Yes. And now, um, also someone that that. Um, really resonates with me is Marilyn Monroe and um, you have a letter written by Marilyn Monroe very interesting handwriting style on this uh, as well and her and her signature which is just Marilyn mm-hmm. which I, I, that's all you would need <laughs> yeah, yeah. like sting or share <laughs> <laughs> yeah but she was writing to somebody she knew oh right okay so yeah so yeah. it wouldn't be her third. She wouldn't include the last name on somebody that she's intimate friends with, I think. Mm-hmm. So um, what, what, what did you get from, from her writing? Uh, she had a copybook style writing. In other words, the, the style that she learned in school, she pretty much kept it, um, basically, with some changes. And that says she was a pretty conventional person at heart. But then there were these other parts that popped out you know she she, there's a lot of repression and anxiety in this writing and and it shows yes she had a bit of a a rough time with um also with dealing with in the the psychiatric Mm -hmm. realm as well um yeah it's it's also a pretty muddy writing uh, but that may be the copy i don't know but I think there were health issues there that that affected the writing. Here's another musical genius, Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart, Austrian composer, and very interesting handwriting on on this as well. This I is th- what a letter to his mother. I think he was a child when he wrote this. I'm I'm not sure. Um, let's see, he was. Or maybe not. Anyway, um, this is another writing of great passion, and then it's like it's the need to express. It comes out um, in the speed and the rhythm. 
as it flows across the page and you know it's uh, what else can I say about him it's it's an original writing compared to the copybook of the time and um, it was somebody who maybe had trouble separating I mean he everything was coming at him at once and he was needed a little space or not in his case because he did just fine without it yeah but um, there's a lot going on and and his mind was constantly running and speaking about a lot going on uh, you have Napoleon Bonaparte and this is uh, this is part of his will that he wrote shortly before his death this is Napoleon's will Let's see, what did I say about Napoleon? <coughs> um, except for, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, his signature Oops, okay. deteriorated over time, and, and we saw it falling apart as he was falling apart. Um, he has, it, it's kind of a thin writing, which is intellectual, and the T-bars are extremely long, and that is seen in somebody who needs to direct others through their own will. And uh, you may see that in people that you know today. They're very controlling. Yes, the, the writing is, is extremely thin. Mm -hmm. it's, it's the intellectual orientation. There's also very wide spaces between the words. And the word spaces have a lot to do with how much you like to reach out and touch someone. <laughs> Which reminds you of an old commercial. Really? Yeah. So uh, somebody with very wide spaces between the words needs a lot of elbow room, or they may be feeling isolated. Here's another president, Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan, this is a, a letter written by Ronald Reagan to a supporter, and he has in his handwriting, uh, well, when he has his last name, he has his, uh, his full name, Ronald Wilson Reagan. Shows a lot of pride in his name. Yeah. And just looking at it from the angle I'm seeing it right now, it sort of looks like James Dean's. Really? It's, yeah. It's got that same kind of rounded, um, heavy look. Um, Ronald Reagan. So he was somebody who um, didn't have a lot of strong physical drives, but he was more... But he's a a hail fellow well met somebody who who was people oriented mm -hmm. the the um, slant is upright and so any emotions that he felt he would stop and think about them before expressing them and then you also have FDR Franklin Delano Roosevelt mm -hmm. um, this is well these, these are his these are some notes from him mm-hmm yeah, and his writing uh, is interesting because we know he had physical problems, and yet it's a it's a really dynamic writing. Uh, I, I am just looking at it. We he has again the strong long T bars. Somebody who really needed to be in control, and um, you, you wouldn't stand up to him too well because he wouldn't let you. It's it's intellectually. Um, uh, and intellectually oriented and also here's another thing that is in the trait stroke school a, a, a letter P a small P with a tall um, beginning stroke I think that's the beginning stroke, has a tall stroke is called the argumentative P <laughs> <laughs> and people who make that 
I've found to be true, um, will will never shy away from an argument, and indeed will cause many of them. Hmm. They just want to get their point across. And he also he just did his initials F D R. Yeah. Very strong R there at the end. Very strong. It gets bigger. So you see, so he may start out coming on quietly and then get stronger. Wow, this is a very cool book. Handwriting of the Famous and Infamous. And um, we also have, of course, Reading Between the Lines, Decoding Handwriting by Sheila Lowe. And in that book, you, that's where I saw the, um, the Donald Trump signature as well. And really a full analysis of what, of what of the art of decoding handwriting is. I wanted to know in our, in our last few minutes if you had, because you've been doing this for so long, if you had any, ah, any, any special cases or things that you've worked on that were just really interesting to you or intriguing to you that you can share with, uh, with the audience. How about my daughter's murder? Um, you know, when your mom is a handwriting analyst, you bring home the handwritings of your new boyfriends or girlfriends. I have sons, too. And um, Jennifer was 26 at the time she met Tom Schnabel and brought me his handwriting, and the three of us together talked about it, and it had some real red flags for pathology. And I spoke to him about his need to control. He, he was an authoritarian personality type, um, and he was a, a federal agent, so he was in that type of job. And his handwriting said to me that, that he would be explosive, unpredictably explosive. And unfortunately, she didn't listen to me, as she never did throughout her life. And within a year, he had killed her and himself. Hmm. So I, you know, one of the things I talked to him about was that he would not be able to control her. Because as a parent, I always had a really hard time as she grew up um, controlling her, her behavior. And uh, of course, he didn't listen. Wow. That's painful. That's extremely yeah. painful. Yeah. But of course, I've learned a lot about life after death from it, and that's another whole conversation. <laughs> is she, is, she's with you? She's definitely with me, and she helped me with the, the new book that I have coming out. Oh, tell our listeners about the new book. Sure. Well, let me first say that I've written a whole series of forensic handwriting mysteries, but now this new book is in a new series called Beyond the Veil, and the book is Proof of Life which is uh, being released on May 7th, and it's about a young woman's reluctant journey into mediumship. <laughs> <laughs> kind of different. With, and it, what's the parallels with your life? Um, yeah, because I grew up in a, in a fundamentalist religion that didn't allow you to explore the afterlife. So when Jennifer was killed, I needed to know what happened to her next. And so, yeah, it was reluctant in the beginning, but now it's with great enthusiasm. Mm. And you have, and there's so many more books within you, Sheila Lowe, that um, I'm, I'm so happy that, I'm so happy that our paths crossed. Me too. <laughs> and, um, and if people want to find out more about you and your work, where, where can they go? Um, my main website is just my name, SheilaLowe.com, S-H-E-I-L-A-L-O-W-E.com, and then I have one for my books. It's ClaudiaRoseSeries.com. Is that your? Is that your? 
Ghost name? My character. No, it's not me. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, Claudia Rose is the handwriting examiner in my books. Ah, Miss Claudia Rose. Okay. Yeah. But uh, pe people can find out more information, obviously, going to SheilaLowe.com. We'll have that link uh, in, the, uh, in the program here. We'll have that. And also, if they want to get some of your books, they can go, they can get access to them probably from your website, but also on Amazon as well. Amazon, yeah, or they can be ordered in any bookstores. Okay, wonderful. Sheila Lowe, thank you so very much for opening our eyes to this, something that's in front of us all the time, and and we we have not, not many people have actually stopped to, to think about what our handwriting reveals about us. And also with modern technology, the, the lost art of handwriting as well. We didn't even get into that. Nope. It's not lost. It's coming back. Is it coming back? It is. Okay, good. Oh, okay. You heard it here, folks. <laughs> thank you again, Sheila, so much. And thank you, wonderful listeners, again, for tuning in this week. We're going to make sure that we have the link to Sheila's website in this program. And, of course, if you want to subscribe to this podcast, you can on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Podbean or YouTube. If you want to share the show, please definitely do it through YouTube. It's much easier to share on your social media and uh, and emails. Until next time, I want to remind you, as always, to think outside of that damn box. Bye for now. <laughs>